Welcome. Welcome all you soccer freaks out there to the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in deep southern Illinois is a man groggy with glee about all the soccer in our lives right now. It's producer Mason. How are you doing today, Mason? I'm certainly groggy, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, due to circumstances, uh, we are uh, recording around lunchtime on Sunday afternoon this week, a little way out of our uh, usual routine. But that hasn't bothered uh, another person with us, a man shocked that we left him unprotected in the podcast expansion draft, but even more shocked that he wasn't selected. It's our boy, Sean Campbell. How are you doing today, Sean? I am irate. I was, I sh- A, I should have been protected. I, I believe at this point I have developed what you would call a uh, DP designated podcaster slot. Uh, but anyway, I, I should have been picked, but it's okay. I just have to show everybody that they were all wrong for not picking me. It's yeah, going to be great. Nobody I, wanted to take on your salary. Yeah, yeah. I really thought wannabe fans out there starting up was really going to pick you, but yeah, they didn't want to take <laughs> on your salary. My You're salary too- of zero dollars a year <laughs> plus benefits. Yeah, they 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 <laughs> they went to the highest bidder in the draft. <laughs> and also joining us is a man who is slowly gaining a stranglehold on the entirety of St. Louis City soccer culture. It's Chris Zimmerman. You got a busy day today, don't you, Chris? Busy day, busy tomorrow, busy week. I don't know when I'm ever going to rest again, but I'm here. I'm looking forward to doing this show. And yeah, I'm just slowly working my way around the perimeter. Soon the constrictor will begin to contract. <laughs> you We've fallen into in his my trap. house now. <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, love our podcasting overlord. <laughs> and I suggest you follow me in that lead. But uh, that's enough silliness for the start of this, because we got a big, big, big show coming up today. We got, well, the biggest news that we've ever had to put out on a podcast, because St. Louis City has begun. And there's no better time to start than with the biggest news. And no, we're not talking the uh, expansion draft. We're talking that St. Louis City made some other signings, even beforehand. So let's uh, pick it up. Uh, They went out and collected three international slots ahead of uh, Friday's expansion draft. Uh, They got $100,000 in GAM that they paid to Montreal and Seattle and $200,000 to Nashville to pick up three additional international slots, which is interesting. Um, But really... That's kind of a pretty good deal overall, especially 400000 for three roster slots is a pretty good deal. They also signed another winger, a Swedish winger. Rasmus Alm, A-L-M, was bought in on a free transfer on Tuesday uh, after we recorded last week's episode. He was pre- previously with Swedish club IF Ellsberg for four seasons. And reportedly signed through 2025 with an option for 2026. Notably, Alm took up our eighth international slot. So we were out before we picked up these three from the other clubs. Yes. I think uh, I I remember reading somewhere that Lutz said he wanted to go out and get these slots, that they had the uh, flexibility to go out and get whoever they needed to get to fill out the rest of the the rest of the roster. Uh, And I think that was a pretty good move. You know, it's like castling your king in chess while the rest of us are still trying to get the double decker by reaching the back of the other player's field. Yeah, and uh, important to note that this kind of tips off that uh, either they've got uh, international prospects in hand that they're looking at and thinking they're close to signing, or they're not anticipating getting very many green cards with those that they have. Uh, one person from MLS Next Pro that's been mooted about and was actually listed in the I- MLS Players Association list of salaries for St. Louis City SC was Max Schneider. It's my understanding he does not have a green card. Cecilia Pompeo, who was on that list as well, it's my understanding that he does have a green card. So we'll see how that shakes out and what the plans are for using them. It doesn't have to be during this window. Uh, leading up to the start, they could also hold on to them for the summer, but they do expire at the end of the season. So they'll have to 
if they do sign any, they'll have to recapture or get green cards to uh, uh, fulfill those international slots going into 2024. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because 2023 hasn't even started. But the season officially kicked off on Friday night with the expansion draft. City, as you probably well know, got to pick five players from amongst most of the teams in MLS. There was five exempt because they had gotten picked from last year. And uh, City made a little splash. They got a name that even casual fans might be familiar with. As uh, the first pick, Lutz uh, Feinstein called him a no-brainer, essentially. They picked up Nicholas Giacchini from Orlando City. Uh, Call him a fringe uh, U.S. men's national team member, but he does have eight caps and three goals for the national team. Uh, most of those coming, I believe, this summer, or perhaps in Friendly's last winter, uh, came over to MLS's Orlando City mid-2022, but never really found his footing. I think he only got two starts, but wasn't there for a long time. He came in very late in the transfer window. Uh, he played in uh, with Khan in France for a while. That's where he made his name and got on the national team. And uh, young player with a lot of upside. Uh, a lot of experience already, and he will turn 23 during the year in 2023, uh, the league year as we get into roster rules. He'll be 23 in the league year. Um, so that's important to keep in mind. Young player, a lot of upside, gives us a nice, nice option as a backup striker. Could push Jao Klaus for that starting role. Uh, he turns on his uh, talents. He was scoring there for a while with uh, Khan for uh, quite a bit. Can be prolific. Uh, let's see what happens. That's an exciting pick. As was the uh, second pick they picked up. Uh, the uh, famously named Indiana Vasilev. They took from Inter-Miami. Uh, interesting pick because uh, Vasilev is actually was on loan with Inter-Miami. Had been for a couple of portions of a couple of seasons. So rights must still be negotiated with Aston Villa in the premiership. Uh, Lutz did hint that he has had discussions and believed the deal could get done. Of course, you have to believe that uh, it's hard as it worked. Lutz is good, got taken care of these little details and really believes that they'll get a deal done for him and get his rights. He will turn 22 in February, another young player. Um, he had 20 starts for Inter-Miami over those two seasons. He was there with five goals, two assists, and 45 appearances. Also was a bit of a facilitator within their attack, especially coming in as a sub. Had a lot of good plays. Still got room to grow. Big upside. He's technically gifted and uh, really comes in, uh, has been fairly cheap. We'll see what it takes to get him from Aston Villa. But he's also posi positionally flexible more flexible than my tongue when I say such things. Uh, so a really good pickup and uh, well thought of by the uh, Cognoscenti in the MLS press. Yeah, and you really think that you wouldn't use a pick on a player that you don't think you can pull away from Aston Villa, so... No, he's not good enough to really take a flyer on, so there has to be concrete evidence that they'll be able to gain his rights on that. Another pick was uh, John Bell, uh Center back coming over from the New England Revolution, where he played quite a bit down the stretch last season and uh, made a name for himself. He was uh, a lot of prognosticators' uh, shortlist of who might be picked by City this year. They got a nice bit of center backs going on this team. Uh, interesting one on Twitter. I uh, saw a video by uh, John Minton of a Red Musket blog of the Revs. Uh, Kind of upset that he got picked. Seems to be a really big fan of the player and especially of the man. And uh, you could catch his video on our Twitter stream. Uh, maybe if Mason's feeling good, he might put a link up for you as well on that. Really take a look. It gives you an idea of what kind of person, much less player, that City has uh, assigned here. He has two goals and two assists <laughs> in 27 MLS appearances. Over 1,868 minutes of league action. Um, has played some left back uh, as well, but mainly is a center back. He's pretty low cost. Uh, is on a senior roster spot, a spot 
minimum salary of 84000 according to the MLSPA. And uh, give me an idea, he will turn 26 in August. So for a center back, he's a young one. And young center backs with MLS experience and uh, fairly high rated is someone you want to pick up in an expansion draft. Good pick there. Yeah, and that Twitter guy's name was uh, Sam Minton. Sam Minton. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Sam. But uh, yeah, we retweeted his video, so. It's out there. And you may have seen it. If you haven't, I highly, highly recommend it. And uh, fourth pick was John Nelson, a young left back from FC Cincinnati. Uh, again, a young player. He's really on a supplemental type of... Uh, uh, actually, he is... Listed as Generation Adidas, has an option through 2023, so he'll be on the supplemental roster, giving good salary cap hit of basically nothing. Um, and uh, he was picked uh, Generation Adidas player in the Super Draft by FC Dallas in 2019. Uh, nice pickup, has some experience, pretty highly rated for somebody to pick up at a position they're kind of thin in, though they got left backs, they now need right backs. But uh, he will turn 25 in July. And then with the fifth pick, they picked up Jake LaCava from New York Red Bulls. He had been on loan with, uh, I believe it was the Tampa Bay Rowdies of the USL Championship. Uh, But he didn't really even get a picture with the team. It was announced pretty quickly thereafter that he had been moved on to enter Miami, one of those trades we were expecting. Nice pickup. Inter Miami gets him for one hundred fifty thousand in uh, Gam, with another hundred thousand tied to performance. Uh, he's a forward. Uh, he could kind of help replace the loss of Indiana Vasilev, who they might not have retained anyway because the loan was Aston Villa. We'll see. But that uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars in Gam led to really what I think is the Perhaps the biggest news of the evening, Giacchini uh, included in the thought of that. Uh, afterwards, it was also announced, even during the live stream on YouTube with uh, Andrew Wiebe and Kalen Carr of uh, MLS Soccer's uh, Extra Time Radio, uh, St. Louis City picked up Tim Parker, center back from the Houston Dynamo, for a total of uh, 500000 in GAM spread over the next two years. 250 this year, 250 next year. Nice pickup. He uh, has an overall salary listed with the MLSPA of just over $1 million a year. But Houston agreed to go ahead and pick up uh, reportedly $425,000 a year for the next two years under that contract, giving Houston salary cap relief uh but to pick up tim parker veteran uh not really that old really for a center back in the league proven at one time was best 11 caliber with the new york red bulls knows the system this is a great pickup i mean he is only 29 which is young for a center back but he is as of this moment, the second oldest player on the entire team just a little bit younger than roman Berkey. We've got a really young roster shaping up. And that's pretty much what Lutz promised. We were expecting somebody with veteran status. They got Jared Stroud, uh, you know, veteran MLS experience. Jared Stroud, but he's been a fringe player. Bell's got a couple of years. Yarrow has some time in MLS as well. But this is a big-time player. And when he was with the New York Red Bulls in the in the defensive backfield for them, uh, term used loosely, he was outstanding. Him and Aaron Long teamed up. They were fantastic. He got a big trade, hundred, uh, well, not a hundred, uh, one million dollars in GAM to Houston when that was still a big deal a couple of years ago. Things didn't kick on with the Dynamo for him. Uh, still a really good player. Uh, no one's ever good in yeah, Houston. So Houston's been kind of a place where careers go to die. He's used to this system. Should work well. Bradley Carnell knows him. Uh, and him and uh, Joachim Nielsen at center back with Roman Berkey gives him a tight, tight defense in the back. Parker's athletic. 
this should work out quite, quite well. There's still holes in the roster that need to be filled, and that's important. We still don't really have a right back, do we? <laughs> no, and we're very, very thin in the central midfield, but we'll see how it goes. Overall, I think this was a very, very good draft for Lutz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lutz went out, and he got the players he wanted. He managed to absolutely... Yeah, like Tim, The thing we didn't mention was Tim Parker was actually available to be drafted in the expansion draft, but we didn't go out and pick him. We instead went and... uh Picked someone else, but negotiated so that we could, you know, we wouldn't take the contract hit because we we didn't have the cap room for that. Uh, big brain move by Lutz. Love to see that. Um, but I I am left wondering because he hasn't even attempted to go after a right back. I'm very confused. Is he attempt? Is he going to try to bring one of our wing forwards as convert them to a wing back? Are we switching to a back three? There's a lot of options here, and I think the easiest one is to go out and get a right back. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, right backs are easier to get than left backs. So he's got Pedro and he's got Nelson. Both need to prove themselves, to be quite honest. But he's got left backs. Right backs can be picked up easier. Uh, later, we will go over some roster rules and ways to get player acquisitions. There's still a lot, an unbelievable amount, actually, of uh, mechanisms to pick up players. This is only just the beginning. Uh, this puts the team at, what are we at now, 17, 18 players on the roster? Something like that. Uh, that we 17. know of? 17. 17, 17 uh, officially, you know, that yeah. doesn't include Schneider and the other person that was Pompeo. listed on. Pompeo. Yep. The other two that were mm -hmm. listed as part of the salary, but not officially. Also, where's Juan Cousin in all of this? Yeah, I, I'm, we've I'm all been wondering. Uh, yeah. Juan Cousin, where are no. you? It sounds, but at the same time, it sounds like Lutz has been listening to our roster rules breakdown and actually coming <laughs> to class with Professor Mike. Because again, that was an absolute <laughs> galaxy brain move to not pick an exposed player and instead negotiate the salary with the team and yes. still get it. <laughs> and you're not taking on a million dollars there. Uh, somehow, I don't know how this works in the roster rules that I've read through, but. Apparently it does, because this trade was announced and was passed through MLS. Um, so to get Tim Parker for what essentially comes to 575000 salary cap hit is a pretty good deal. That's under the maximum uh, salary budget charge. No TAM needs to keep this guy on a million dollar a year salary uh, in this sort of system. He was fantastic with the Red Bulls. He has all that experience, uh, knows the coach, knows the system. Great pickup. The rest of the guys, Nelson's still under a generation Adidas contract. Bell's at the minimum senior salary of 84000 Vasilev, we don't know. Giacchini, you're getting someone of that stature coming in for just $325,000 setting in salary uh, that we know of. Just a masterclass. Didn't go for big trades. Didn't go for high money players. Went for cheap, usable, and filling in roster spots. I think uh, with some of these as well, he's loaded up on center backs. Uh, who knows? Maybe trades are coming in. We don't know. Parker could be spent off or spun off, but I don't know how that affects the trade with Houston. Uh, but who knows? Yeah, I would think that Parker and uh, Nilsson... In the back with Berkey has to be just fantastic looking to the coaching staff, wondering, uh, you know, they can now push forward with more abandon than they could because they've got solid, solid people in the back. Yeah. He also, he went really young, too, with the, like, sole exception of Parker. Um, these were all guys that could end up also being um, development targets. Um, I really like Giacchini pickup. Um, and it seems like we kind of maybe got a coup with John Bell as well. Um, I think that it was, we also got five guys out of it, basically. So we got a lot of players. We didn't make a lot of moves for money. And, uh, after the game, there was a little, uh, invitation only sort of get together with Lutz and Bradley Carnell at the stadium at the sports pub, right? Chris, our own Chris Zimmerman was there. And uh, 
give us a report on what happened during that uh, that little event. Yeah, so it was um, at the Brew Pub, which is at the northeast corner of the stadium. Uh, we also, I also was at the um, fan workshop there that Wednesday. So I was at the stadium twice this past week. Um, and yeah, it was an uh, invitation uh, deal. I think there were about 50 people there, roughly. And we sat there. They recorded the draft with Lutz and Carnell from the Mick Ultra Club across the stadium. But then after they, all the picks were announced, the broadcast ended. Lutz and Carnell came down, did a quick little formal Q&A with Christian Carver in the room. And then afterwards, they milled around for a bit. And so I wouldn't say I talked to him. I say I was in a group of people that talked to him. There was um, me, Matt, and Stu from flyover footy and then two other people who I didn't really know kind of standing in a corner with uh, standing in a circle with Lutz and uh, it's really cool to get a uh, Der Fanon spiel in person uh, it, it is <laughs> basically the same I, you know it's the exact same as you've heard every other interview he's ever given he's very consistent and I didn't get to talk to Carnell but I know some other people who did and they said they're on the same page saying roughly the same things so I didn't get a whole lot of, I'd say, new information from that talk, but it was just that's one of the coolest things that ever happened to me to, <laughs> to be in the room. Honestly, that's the I could have, you know, asked hard hitting questions, but I was just happy to be there, man. That was that was amazing. <laughs> do we do we want to talk about what he said about Alejandro Bedoya? No, that's I don't think we should say that. that's a secret just for us yeah why why would he pick ali badoy but that's for (laughs) other conversations uh did uh andrew weeby and caitlin carr from extra time radio come out and hang with the hoi polloi or they hide in the ultra club um christian carver was there andrew weeby i if he was i didn't see him i don't know honestly some of the Employees of the team, I still don't recognize their faces or names. There was <laughs> Caleb introduced me to someone who apparently was important because he was wearing a blazer. And then when he found out my <laughs> name, he goes, "Oh yeah, I recognize you from Twitter." And um, had a little panic attack there. He goes, "Nah, you're good." But um, <laughs> his name I'm having is... <laughs> a panic attack now, knowing that we're getting recognized by people in the club. Yeah, Whoa. and. Uh, Within 30 seconds, his name was out of my brain. I couldn't remember it. Uh, so, <laughs> well done. I don't know. Yeah, you you fit in with this crew beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> Might be getting banned from the stadium pretty soon due to all my jokes about the international slots on Twitter. So, if we do that, sorry guys, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, uh, you're better than most. I have to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the jokes about the international slots, not the jokes about why are all, all these Germans in South America. <laughs> great, great that you were there. <laughs> great that uh, the show was actually invited to be part of that, and you were able yeah. to make it, which the rest of us couldn't. So that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, I got. Yeah, we got the message Thursday night, like right as I was about to leave work. So just the whole drive home, going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was a, one little bit more of city news that broke this week. And uh, Mason, you want to give us a rundown on that? Well, there's not much to say here, but um, yes, last night for us recording, uh, this came out Saturday night, um, club announced that they're going to be hosting watch parties at City Park for World Cup games. So not every game, but every USA game is going to be broadcast um, somewhere in the park. I think that the international games are in the Brew Pub, and then the USA games are, I think, in the Ultra Club. Mm, yeah, that's right. All the non-US games will be at that Brew Pub in the Northeast Corner, but the three USA games are going to be in the McUltra Club. Although you have to, the... Because it's larger. Ones, yeah. The ones at the brew pub are just kind of, you show up first come, first serve for space in there. But the US games, the McUltra Club, you have to, it's a free, but you have to reserve a spot. And I think the USA game, or the at the USA game, the game against England is already filled up. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> 
That and the Amsterdam Tavern's probably already filling up for that match now. People standing in line. I'll be at work. Yeah, I have uh, I have been seeing Twitter Twitter feeds going on. Everyone's reblogging the. Sorry, retweeting the Amsterdam <laughs> is is hosting watch parties. So, yeah, get your spot like, while you can, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that England game's already full. This news hasn't even been out for twenty four hours. <laughs> it's well, it, it's it USA is, England. What do you expect? Yeah. It's ah. also the Friday after Thanksgiving at one p.m. A lot of people have the day off. Not me. Um, so yeah. it came with Peter Wood talked a little bit of trash on Twitter to sell it to. He asked um, if all the American fans were brave enough to say it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, and I can't be there. Uh, Doggone it. Yeah, but um, I'm not going to go over all the schedules here. Um, it's on their Twitter feed, and I don't know if they have a news post about it yet or not. But um, they've got all the times listed there. Um, and so far, they've only got um, watch parties listed up through the group stage. They don't have anything for any knockout rounds yet, so... Well, that's great. That's great. And uh, more stuff coming. This one we know about. Yes, that's right on Wednesday, November 16th, 7 p.m. at City Park. I should shout it since it's all in caps. Please don't. Bayer Leverkusen will be in town. Was actually on Twitter tracking their flight coming into North America today. (laughs) Um so the St. Louis game. Are we excited or obsessed? Game. You decide. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of both. Nah, not obsessed. Uh, obsessed, but excited. Javi Alonso is going to fire a restraining order against us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear it like a badge. Stop now! Don't don't even don't track my plane. <laughs> That's right. Uh, before the hand, you can uh, enjoy in the revelry with us. This will be at the St. Luligan's tailgate at Schlafly Tap Room. That's going to start at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, March to the stadium begins at 6, I believe is the information. Uh, 21st mm. Street, also known as Luligan Street, will be closed for these festivities. Right there, right in front of the stadium. Uh be the first match at City Park, as you all well know. SeatGeek does show some tickets still remaining here at the time of recording, starting at $49 a seat and up. Uh, so there's still some tickets left, not a lot. Yeah. It's going to be a pretty full house. Yeah. It's going um, to be a cold, full house. Oh, yes, it's going to be cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> if but yeah, nothing else, the, uh, this city loves to show up. Oh, yeah. But um, for the for the tailgate, I think my understanding is that they're pretty much just going to roll out what they had planned for the Sporting KC2 game since that got a uh, Ixnaid. Yeah. So it's it's, not a, a it's another go again to that. Yeah, yeah. It's not a weekend. So there's not a parking that Schlafly had for that match that was set up. But uh, plenty of parking on the street, parking around, take the Metro link, do the right thing for the environment. However you want to do it. I still got a. <laughs> map out how I'm going to approach getting to that match. We'll all be there. We're bringing a friend. Hope to see you all. Look for the old man that's freezing to death with blue hands and a silly hat, and you'll find us. <laughs> you'll find us easy. And uh, to get ready for the big friendly against Bayer Leverkusen, who are trying to get in some work for their non-World Cup uh, participating players, we've got uh, Chris Zimmerman give us a rundown of what to expect from the boys from Germany. All right. So to start off with, I did a lot of this report about two weeks ago. And Leverkusen looks a lot different now than they did two weeks ago. When I first put this together, they were in 16th place, which is the relegation zone in the Bundesliga. Uh, they've since gone on a two-game win streak and are now up to 11th place. Uh, That's wins. pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two. The most recent game was a 2-1 win over Köln. But before that, they beat... Former league leaders Union Berlin five to nothing, so that's exciting. Got a team on a tear uh, coming through, so they puts them at five three and seven. They have eighteen points and a minus one goal differential. Twenty five goals in fifteen games for one point six seven goals per game, and they were also a Champions League team this year. They finished third in their group, so they're transferring over to the Europa League. But that was ahead of. Atletico Madrid, who they beat because they beat on head-to-head tiebreakers. So Porto and Club Bruges were the two players, two teams from that group that moved on. 
but they finished ahead of Atletico Madrid, who is currently third in La Liga. Uh, the game that they beat Madrid at was on September 13th, which to compare to City 2 was two days after we went to North Texas and lost 3-1 to one in the baseball stadium where the camera was about three miles away from the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if we somehow win... On Wednesday, keep in mind, this is officially a City 2 game. It's not City 1. Yes. St. Louis City 2, who spent half of their season playing in a cornfield in Edwardsville, Illinois, will have a transitive win over Atletico Madrid. <laughs> Man, this that would be just nuts. Might happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't so, think we'll see any of the expansion draftees. Hoping to see some of the uh, international signees get some work in remember it's just a friendly it's a practice game just only in front of twenty-two thousand people yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so as i kind of mentioned earlier the manager for Bayer leverkusen is uh, spain legend xavi alonso the team has an average age of 24.4 which is i think actually older than city yeah <laughs> somehow <laughs> after how after how lutz has been drafting uh their total Club value on transfer market is 470 million euros. City 2 minus our main club players are going to be at about 1.1 million. <laughs> uh, the MLS average is about 40 million. So it's probably what we're going to be looking at once our full roster build is done. But this is not a full roster that's going to be playing on Wednesday. I did see transfer market just to give an update. Uh, did have our current roster with the 17 players at 16 million in valuation. Uh, let you know Rasmus Alm that we signed. He's uh, tied for fourth on the team at $1.5 million. But MLS yeah. uh, values and European values are so different. Mm. But um, as per Lutz on Friday night, most of their squad is going to be making the trip. There's a few players that aren't going to the World Cup that will be sitting out, but I didn't catch those names. There has been some talk leading up to this about, well, hey, they're going to have a lot of players out for the World Cup. So maybe that gives us a chance. Answer is no. Not really. <laughs> so it's a it's a German team, uh, but there have only been two players for Bayer Leverkusen who've appeared for the German national team. Defender Jonathan Ta and midfielder Florian Wirtz. They have been recent-ish call-ups, but neither were selected for the World Cup this year, which is a good sign for Germany because of the four times they've won the World Cup, they have not once had a Leverkusen player in those squads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing them a favor by keeping them away from Qatar. <laughs> yeah. There are two teams that have not announced their World Cup rosters as of time of recording. They're going to announce them tomorrow. Those are Ecuador and Argentina. So for Ecuador, Piero Hincapi has 21 caps and is basically a lock. And then for Argentina, you've got Ezequiel Palacios, uh, which who is on the 49-man roster and is kind of a bubble player to make the final squad. We don't know, but he might not be coming anyway because, as we've said, Leverkusen have already left for St. Louis. And if you are... A bubble player that might be going to Qatar, you aren't going to go to St. Louis and risk it. So I imagine we won't see him. And they will also be without Sardar Osmun, who from Iran, who has uh, 41 goals and 65 caps and will Ooh, probably be breaking our weak American hearts in about two weeks' time. <laughs> oh, man. I've so already <laughs> been through having Iran break our hearts in the World Cup once. I don't want to do it again. Very excited yeah. for the uh, geopolitical World Cup group. <laughs> And for the Netherlands, a player I wasn't expecting to see, a former Celtic boy, Jeremy Frempong, was selected for the Netherlands, despite they've never made a senior national team appearance before. But he's going to the World Cup, which is a bit sad on my end. I would have loved to see, I loved him at Celtic. I would have loved to see him in person. But I'm also really happy for him to get to go and make his World Cup debut. Who's some of the top goal scorers that they possibly be bringing with us? So this season, it their top goal score is Musa Diaby with eight, and then behind him are Jeremy Frimpong with five, and then Karim Demirbe and Patrick Schick both have three. Kind of a shocker that Schick's only got three for them, right? Well, hasn't he been a big goal scorer for him over the past few years? 
Uh, he was last season's leading scorer with 24. Musa Diaby yeah. had 17 and Florian Wirtz had 10. None of those three players are going to the World Cup, so they will probably be there. Oof. Yeah, it'll be fun. And there's <laughs> this is, is going to be a rough test for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll be so excited goalie. to watch. So excited yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah. Their starting goalie is the goalie for, and their captain is Finland starting goalie Lucas Hradecki, who almost took Finland to the World Cup, but they called up just short. And just for a quick playing scale note, they play in either a four-two-three-one or a three-four-three structure. They have a system that is called Juego de Posición, or the game of position. It has very strict rules on where players play on the field and how to move the ball up and down. And they have part of that system is that their wingbacks play very, very wide. They kind of hug the touchline. But the system seems to be working for them, considering that they beat Union Berlin 5-0. They've done well against Atletico Madrid. So if it works well for them... How it pairs up against City too doesn't really matter because we're probably screwed. For being honest, <laughs> yeah. you know it's a friendly. Anything hey. can happen either way, but we might be opening up the stadium with a lot of pain. Have some hope. Have some hope here. Okay, I'm expecting a lot of those guys that we brought in over the summer that didn't really play too much actually for City two are going to get on the pitch. I think mm. we're going to see a little bit more of uh, you know what we have as far as an actual roster under the name of city two, but it's not actually what's going to be playing in city two. Uh, at the same time though. Yeah, no, I'm fully expecting a loss, but yeah. at the same time, I fully expect it to be an exciting game. Nonetheless, um, it's going to be wonderful to watch. And uh, even if they're, I mean, I, I think knowing that that positional style and knowing the, the formation setup that they run, I think loots, and Carnell are going to come, or is, is Hackworth coaching this game? It's City 2, so Either way, probably, probably Hackworth. Hackworth. So it would still be Hackworth. I'm sure they've got a game plan, um, because I'm, I'm sure Lutz at least is very familiar with this kind of a, of a style, and has some sort of a game plan to work around their, you know, their extra width that we don't seem to have. Yeah, the, you know, Leverkusen's in the middle of their season, and they're getting this strange uh, month off or longer, because then they'll have the winter break. Uh, coming up soon that the uh, Bundesliga has. So they're needing to keep in shape. So they'll be out there, you know, trying to play somewhat of a match. City 2 will probably be playing pretty hard to show up the big guys coming from Europe. So, and we get to hang with our friends. What's not to look forward to in a friendly? Yeah. Oh, this will be so exciting. And aside of note of uh, familiarity with Leverkusen, a Friday night, someone asked Lutz, so how hard was it to get this Leverkusen game set up? He goes, oh, not at all. They're my friends. He very <laughs> casually throws Literally it out there. just said, hey, guys, can you come to my backyard and play, play the yeah. sports ball? Yeah. My mom says it's okay if your mom says it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to be home by dark. <laughs> Hope Lutz isn't one of those people that when he loses, he takes the ball and goes home, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, he just takes your pet penguin instead. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm so excited for this, but not really in an oh my god, I'm amped kind of way, but more in a pinch me, I'm dreaming kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Is this, it, this really is really happening. Because yeah. we thought it was happening if, before at the stadium, and it didn't happen. So, well, unless there's another uh, free construction accident, yeah. add some more, uh, you, you add know, some more electrical just... tape and another. Uh, paper clip to that uh, electrical saying, setup. Chris. This is yeah. This is pretty on brand for City because um our expansion got delayed because of COVID and now our first game gets delayed because of some other freak accident. Like it's on brand for us. It's it's so you know we kind we're kind of used to this. <laughs> yeah. Say, speaking of that originally scheduled game at City Park that was going to be a half capacity game and kind of a little soft opener stress test for the stadium. This is going to be full capacity. So about twice as many people and is still the first time we're going to do a lot of things at the stadium. So it, there may be a few hiccups from the operations perspective, just because they've never done this before. So keep that in mind as things go on. So there might be long concession lines, long bathroom lines. The toilets might not flush. We don't know if those work yet or not either. Oof. So just something to keep in mind 
I'm sure it's going to be fun no matter what, but there may be a few glitches. So just be prepared for those. Yeah. So you're saying wear depends and buy two beers at a time. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, because this is like a full on like ticketed event. It's really not a soft opening. So mm-hmm. hoping that everything goes as smooth as possible to make a good first impression. But um, as far as the game's concerned, it'd be massive if we could win. It'd be a huge yeah. upset. But um, I'm kind of hoping for like uh, something like uh, when we went to see uh, St. Louis FC play the Chicago Fire in the U.S. Open Cup and came away feeling pretty pleased with holding them to one goal. If we could do I pull off like, something like that, I would be pretty happy. I feel like getting a result that would that would you know poise the post dispatch to come out with the headline. St. Louis City 2 wins 1-1 draw. <laughs> Something like that would be absolutely top level. You know, like what, what the U.S. did to England the last time we played them in the World Cup. Uh, yeah, that. I want that to happen. <laughs> That's a good rundown. Thank you for that, Chris. Something to look forward to. We certainly are. Sadly, we got uh, some bad news very quickly, and you want to bring us up to speed with what's been going on on the college scene around the St. Louis area, Chris. I mean, I don't want to, but I kind of have to at this point because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I introduced not, it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> not amazing news. Yeah, we were very high, very excited for the SLU women's team. They entered the NCAA tournament as a two seed. And then their very first game at Herman Stadium, they lost one nothing to Memphis. So that's the end of their season. A that's really brutal. great season and first round exit of the tournaments. Heartbreaking. And then less surprisingly... The SIUE women lost 3-0 to Forestie Northwestern. So that does it for women's college soccer in the area. At least Division One. I, I think Maryville might still be playing in Division Two, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. And however, the SLU men are still going strong and they will be hosting Loyola Chicago. Actually, they currently are hosting Loyola Chicago in the They're currently nil-nil at half. I have the game loaded up so I can watch oh. it as it ha- Well, not watching the game, yeah. but live updates it is nil nil at half currently yeah you are more up to date on this than i am then. <laughs> but you know you'll be hearing this after the fact so go back and take a look if they win the atlantic 10 conference there's a decent chance that they'll be hosting ncaa tournament games but that's something you'll just have to keep an eye out for yeah now i do have one question are they already qualified for the tournament or do they have to win this tournament to make the tournament like the big one the national one um you know, if they don't win the A-10 tournament, they were still regular season champions. So there's a pretty high chance that they'll get an at-large bid, but it's not guaranteed. Thanks for that, Chris. And uh, Chris now is going to be leaving our recording because Mr. St. Louis City SC soccer culture guru, Chris Zimmerman, now has to go to practice for Florida Noise about before the big friendly. Let's just call him Snake. He's like a python, just wrapping his neck around everything with the club. And we talk about him this way because he's not here. (laughs) But we're not wrapping up the show. No. There's one more thing. Just a little thing. You know, the World Cup. (laughs) And this scrappy little underdog tournament. You might not have heard of it. Yeah. Played at the all completely wrong time. But the U.S. men's national team did announce their rosters. Uh, All in all, thought they were pretty good. But we're going to break it down, take a look at it, and to give us a run-through of who's on the plane to Qatar and uh, who isn't is Sean Campbell. All right, everybody, it's official. We know whose ticket has been punched and who has been left behind. And uh, we're going to take this one position by position. And by that, I mean we're going to start with, like, goalkeepers and then the defense as a whole not like left back then center then right we're not doing that that's too much time no. um but we'll go ahead and we'll start at and we'll work our way from the back out and we'll start with the goalkeepers officially announced that the three keepers were taken to Qatar Matt Turner no surprise there Sean Johnson and Ethan Horvath and I know I know what you're all thinking wait. there's a bit of a who wait there's a name we're not hearing here um, yeah wait Zach Steffen did not get his ticket punched to Qatar, and I think a lot of us are surprised mostly because Burhalter had been so high on him and wanting him to be the starter. 
the entire time, but I, I think Matt Turner made his case that it was his job to lose, and he held on to it very well. Um, I, and I mean, the only logical choice other than Stefan would be Horvath, in my opinion. The big thing here is, you know, Zach Stefan got his start under Bear at Columbus before he moved to Manchester City. But let's be frank, he just wasn't in good form leading up through qualifying. Uh, that uh, time on the bench at Manchester City seemed to have harmed him. He didn't start off that well with Middlesbrough's gotten better. Uh, but uh, Sean Johnson's a big pickup. He had a big year, won his way on. Horvath, when, as the third goalkeeper when he's been pushed into duty, did extremely well. Um, what was that, the uh, League's Cup final where he came on and saved the day? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of shock. I think Burhalter's probably a little traumatic having to tell Zach Steffen he's not taking him as well, considering some of the things I've heard from him. So that's the big shock here. Well, moving right along, let's go ahead and start. Let's talk about our defenders. We've got Cameron Carter-Vickers, Serginho Dest, Aaron Long, Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, the hometown boy, Jedi Robinson, Joe Scally, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. And looking at this group, I have to Wait. say, I think it's a... What's up? You said Shaq Moore? Yeah, Shaq Moore. Shaq Moore made the team. Wow, that came out of left field. No, he came out of right field. <laughs> <laughs> He's outstanding in his field. Well, Just no, I I honestly think if you look at Waiting it. Waiting for the call that he got. Wow. Yeah, no, I think looking at this, uh, when you when you look at our, our depth at the at the outside backs positions, um, Jedi Robinson is our only option at left back. And in order to sub him out, you have to put someone inverted on the left side. It's a whole thing to get into. But our next best bet at the right was either him or Reggie Cannon. And I think with the matchups we have, I think Burhalter thought Shaq had the better shot. Yeah, and also Tim Ream being included in the team, St. Louis's own. Um, his ability to pass out of the back and work in a three-man back line uh, kind of pushed uh, Reggie Cannon out. Shaq Moore does give you more. He's um, pretty good on the cross. Uh, had a solid season coming over to Nashville SC. That position doesn't get a lot of headlines in MLS. No, he made it. Uh, pretty much depended upon uh, Serginio Dest and uh, Anthony Jedi Robinson staying healthy. They're really the top picks. Yedlin, not a surprise. The only player on this roster that's ever played in a World Cup. And... Uh, the only penciled-in ones other than the uh, fullbacks was uh, Walker Zimmerman. We knew he was going. Probably could count on Aaron Long for what he brings. Hasn't been in the best of form coming off his injury, but there's he has a long history of doing good work with the men's national team. And a coach always puts that in consideration as well. Oh, absolutely. Um I think I think Tim Ream is going to end up being the other starter alongside Walker Zimmerman just to absolutely control the aerial battles. Um, and I mean, Aaron Long isn't a bad option at center back, but I just think that's you got a guy who's playing all the minutes in the Premier League at a center back position, and he did very well today in his matchup uh, against Man United. I I don't see how they don't start him, given uh, some of the uh, things that. Uh... Berhalter said about other people on this roster we haven't mentioned. Tim Ream actually playing in England with Wales and England in the group of th uh, group with them may have had a big deal to play with him getting on the roster. Plus, Ream is just having an extremely good year playing in the Premier well, you League. Can't also, you also can't discount the fact that, you know, his left back at Fulham is Anthony Robinson. They play together game in and game out. And, you know, Greg's real big on chemistry. So and Reem, I think that might have also played a large part in that as well. Well, Plus, it didn't seem to influence one of his later decisions. But uh, Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but Reem's been around the men's national team for a long, long time, though this is his first World Cup. There's another veteran head to have in the locker room. 
and with such a young, young team, maybe the youngest team in the World Cup, having some veteran heads is going to be of great significance. Uh, Reem can perform on the field, but also in the locker room, it's going to be a big significance. Oh, absolutely. And it definitely seems like he picked one at each of the out, outfield players' positions uh, to really be a part of that leadership group. Um, I did actually read this this month's Sports Illustrated article about the, the makeup of the team, and uh, it seems like they have, instead of having one or two captains, they have like a whole leadership council of players. Um, so having one person in each of the groups is is critical. The council will now decide your fate. <laughs> But uh, one thing, a nice dichotomy here. Eight years ago, the last time the U.S. went to the World Cup, DeAndre Yedlin was a young guy on the team trying to get a breakthrough. Now playing a very similar position, possibly Joe Scali is a very young player, is in the team. So you've got that to work with here, and it just makes it a little a bit of a nice story. Absolutely. Um, unless anyone has anything else, I think we can move on to the midfielders. Yeah, we'll move to midfielders. So the midfield players will start with the surprise being listed as a midfielder is Brendan Aronson. Uh, we also have, you know, the the standard the standard affair here with Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Christian Roldan makes his makes his way to Qatar, which is not surprising at all. He is the glue guy. The one guy that I was a little bit surprised to see listed on this team period was Luca De La Torre. Not that he hasn't deserved it. But I think he's a bit of a surprise over maybe some of the other options we had. I think uh, Luca De La Torre, his ability to progress the ball from the back to the front like Yunus Musa, Musa something gets injured or something, can keep the same system, had a lot to do with it. He's not getting much playing time with Celta Vigo. That seemed to be against him. Uh, but he's been with the club. Um uh, has had some, uh, especially lately, some impressive times out. Aronson being listed as a midfielder. Yeah, that's how he's listed. He's playing that position with leads and performing quite well uh, in the Premier League. But we'll see. I think if push comes to shove, Aronson would, Berhalter would hesitate in a moment's notice to put Aronson on the wing if he thought he could perform. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is a pretty solid group. I think this is the group, uh, I, I don't think there's many real surprises here per se, but, uh, I, I think we all kind of expected this group. Um, but if you want to talk about surprises, we have our forwards, we have our strikers and we know who's going and who's not. And, uh, it's a list. That's for sure. <laughs> At the forward position going to Qatar, we have Jesus Ferreira. We all expected that one. Jomo coming back from injury gets his ticket on the plane. Good for you, Jordan Morris. Christian Pulisic, he's a right in him pen starter, guaranteed. Gio Reyna, who's having him getting back into form from injury. Well done for him. Josh Sargent makes it in the striker position. Tim Weah out on the right. And Haji Wright. Wait, makes his way to Qatar. Haji? Haji Wright. That's that is right. Haji Wright makes his way to Qatar. <laughs> yeah, that that was the real shocker. Uh word had come out that Stefan wasn't going to make it ahead of time. No word came out Haji Wright was going to. Hey, he's been lighting up the Turkish league. Not a you know, a fairly strong league there. But uh Ricardo Pepe's came on late and found his shooting boots. Uh, Jordan P. Fox started off playing very well for Union Berlin in the Bundesliga, but that has tailed off. Uh, interesting, but maybe not. Hanji Wright's different than all the other forwards here. He's big, he's strong, he can move better than P. Fox, gives a little bit more versatility. But Haji Wright has also been one of those uh, young players that grew up uh, with the youth national team with so many of these guys. Uh, remember, Pulisic gave him the uh, penalty kick, just gave it to him because of the all-time acquaintances. Wonder how much that factored into the decision for the culture of the club, especially with it being so terribly young and inexperienced. 
just having people around that they played with so long. Not a bad decision. Uh, Sergeant was a little bit I, of a surprise, wasn't he? I wouldn't say Sergeant is a surprise because he's been pretty consistent over the last calendar year as far as at club level. Um, he's gotten a chance to be get called into camps. I don't think he's really gotten much of a chance to play on the field, but I do think that, you know, um, he's gotten familiar with the guys. And, and a lot of what I gathered, from, again, from reading that Sports Illustrated article was they want to create a group of guys that's connected, not just when they come to camp, but outside of that, where they can, they keep talking, they communicate. They're a group, even when they're apart. And I think that played a part in that as well. Like you said, with Haji Wright coming in, um, I, I, I think the, the the brotherhood, as they're calling it, is the driving factor behind this team from back to front. Uh, yeah, don't ever discount that on a team that's going to be thrust into this position, how much brotherhood and being an actual team with a great culture uh, means uh, with Haji right there, Sergeant. Plus, Sergeant has a better skill set than probably anybody else in the striker pool, but he hasn't really pulled it off in uh, Europe, hasn't had much chance. But this season with Norwich in the championship, the second tier in the English pyramid, which is generally considered one of the better leagues in the world, uh, he's been performing at an extremely high level, including this weekend. Um, so he gets the call. Pepe's been performing, but not quite at the same level. And Pepe, so much younger, hasn't been through it. He'll have his time. I think that uh, he his youth may have worked against him being on this squad as well. Uh, before I get on to Pepe, I just want to say I'd be remiss if I don't mention the fact that Josh Sargent, also the hometown boy, uh, went to the same high school as Tim Ream, yes. actually. Uh, shout out to St. Dominic's. Way to go, you In guys. In Fulton. Um, yes. <laughs> but go going on to Ricardo Pepe, I think the biggest, the biggest thing here, the decision was it came down to him and Haji. Um, they're both kind of getting into form at the right time, but... I think Greg's ultimate decision here was, hey, I don't want to take this this confidence booster he's having, throw him onto the national scene, and then have him not perform as well, and then have that kill any and all boost he's gotten out of this. I want him to continue to grow for the rest of the season and then come back next next summer when we start doing friendlies again and really just kind of build himself in confidence before he can really start performing on the national stage. Because I think that kind of played a part into why he fell apart over the last calendar year. And it could be, and we've seen that with Jar Sargent over the past few years. Uh, I think if Sargent got himself together and started playing the way he could, he was always going to make the squad, but he kind of got lost. But here this season, he is showing striker instincts instead of being stuck on the wing. He's going for it. He's playing with more confidence more straightforward abilities, not dropping back, trying to cover and do too many things, though he brings that to the team. Uh, Seems like he's got some gumption to his game Yeah, now. he's already been through what Pepe's going through and trying to build back from. Sargent's already been there. So now that Sargent's back, he's almost like a no-brainer pick, but given the buildup and all the focus on each individual game and each individual camp, I think people sold him short. Perhaps even I did on this but the rest of it we've seen it these guys can create jordan morris little bit of a surprise with no paul Ariola, yeah. uh coming in with uh, ferrera but morris does bring that more goal-centric idea coming off the bench and morris might be the 25th guy on the bench if roldan's the 26th uh, but Morris does have that speed, that size, and he was a very good striker in college, made the U.S. men's national team as a college player because he has a nose for the goal, and that might have pushed him over. Plus, they had that camp, that fitness camp, leading into the announcement, and maybe Morris just outperformed Ariola. We don't know. Something to keep in mind. Yeah. Paul Ariola is the big standout missing from the forward group, um, especially taking Ferreira and not taking Ariola after the season that they had together in Dallas. I wouldn't say but, this big one, but he's 
very surprising given his work rate uh, against other teams on the defensive side and everything he brings other than the ability to score on the international level. I think the biggest surprise for Ariola not being included is the chemistry aspect of it. Um, consider, like you said, Mason, he was having a great year with, with Jesus all season. Um, they kind of cooled down towards the tail end of it, but at the same time, with the chemistry piece being so big, I'm, uh, that's the surprise for him not being included. But at the same time, if you have a chance to put Jesus on this roster, you put Jesus on this roster, um, just because he, he does so much more as in in his holdup play, checking back in the midfield. Um, not to say that the other guys are bad strikers, but Jesus kind of does a little bit more with the ball and does checks back in the midfield, whereas the other guys are more forward focused. It gives a different look, and I I I like what he brings to the table, and I think you have to bring someone like that as far you know, if nothing else, for matchup purposes. His biggest drawback is the fact that in the international level, he hasn't been able to finish off goals. But there is no doubt that when he was playing that position, the team flowed better. It gave more room, actually, up front for some of the other guys, more talented guys, you can say, like uh, Pulisic and uh, Weya Aronson to find spaces to work in. And I think that's a big play. And I think you'll probably see him start against Wales, though I wouldn't be surprised to see Sargent get that since he's playing over there in England. It very well could be Josh Sargent starting the first game of the World Cup this time around. Any other thoughts, guys, on this roster? What's your general overall thoughts about uh, the team that Berhalter picked? Seems pretty straightforward, ultimately. These are a lot of the guys we expected to see. Yeah, I think it all just comes down to can they put it all together? And uh, it, here's to hoping we can get out of group stage. And uh, there's some things to think about. Gio Reno be like 27 in 2030 for the World Cup. Jeez. Scali, Musa, they're all in that age range. They won't even hit their prime for eight more years. This team is so young. But I think Burhalter didn't go with veteran status. He picked the guys to fit into the team, the culture, and positional flexibility came into this as well under this new system that he's implemented. All in all, I thought it was a much more surprisingly good roster than I was expecting. Uh, how they'll do and how they'll perform, uh, who's to say? They're so, so terribly young. They are so young for an international team. With high expectation. But hungry. They are. These guys are hungry. It's a hungry, hungry group, and they're they're they've Greg's been building this brotherhood since day one when he came into that into that position. Um, I I would love to see the fruits of the slaver come all together, and I mean even it, making out a group stage, that's a great result for them, and that sets us perfectly up for this new for the combo bid in twenty six when we have the U S Mexico and Canada co hosting the World Cup um, for a very good run. But that's getting too far ahead of ourselves. Let's see how this cup goes, but it's a hungry brotherhood, and they've been building for this since they came together. Great success or a huge flame out, both are huge learning experiences to set this core of this team up for the big one, 2026 on home turf. Um, either way, it'll be fun. It'll be maddening. Uh, they are so incredibly young for an international team, so inexperienced. It's unbelievable. That's not taken into account enough. Um, I know we've said it before, but I want to say it again. Um, the U.S.'s greatest runs in World Cup have come off the back of World Cup disasters. Um, and I don't know of any greater World Cup disaster for us than missing the first one since, what, the 80s? Uh I, I'm. I think they're primed for a deep run. Not. Not think. Hope. <laughs> yeah. But yes, great success has come off the back of great tragedy in the World Cup in this team's history. I'm excited for it. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. Little fearful. Well, actually, quite a bit fearful. There's Iran's a very good team. England's a very good team. Wales is a 
team set up with experience to really stifle them by bunkering in, which is something this this squad of young players has had trouble with. Um, and that happens with young players. So we'll see. And we'll find out very shortly. Yeah. By the time you hear this, it'll be less than a week away from the first game. So uh, don't have a lot of time to uh, really get too anxious about it because it's going to happen real soon. And I think that wraps it up for the U.S. men's national team. And uh, anything else for this show? That's all I've Nothing got, I think. Mind. Well, I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And for the missing snake, Zimmerman, we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.